Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 104.5 FM in Oat Bay. Okay, so things are different as you know and the world is talking about one thing and one thing only right now it's talking COVID-19 but also what you're hearing a lot of is this rush to the vaccine okay and you heard the president of the United States promise whatever it is whoever comes with the first vaccine he would love them to death and so on so on so but it's on everybody's lips that's the point and everybody's rushing to try and see if we cannot find a solution so what we want to highlight is what South Africa is doing very quietly. I know that we haven't made too much noise about this, but South Africa is on to something. We are testing some stuff. Professor of uh, Physiology, um, Andreas Diakon, is a principal investigator at the Department of Internal Medicine Faculty of Health Sciences at Stellenbosch University. And he's also a founder of Task Applied Science. And they've been working on a vaccine that they've already started testing, which is is generally used for tuberculosis. Now, he joins me on the line. A very good afternoon, and thank you so much for joining us, Prof. Uh, good afternoon. So, could you just, you know, in simple terms, explain this vaccine that you're already using and that you're testing South Africans with the, tubercul- the, the tuberculosis vaccine? Yeah, the vaccine is called BCG, and uh, many of us, if not actually all of us, should have had it as babies. Um, that because it protects from severe forms of tuberculosis. Prof, can I ask you a favor? Yeah. It's BCG. Can you tell me what the full name is? Because I want to know how to say it. Oh, you have to spell it. This is the French thing, and it's for <laughs> Bacillus calmedgera. Um, and it's actually a good question because right yesterday, yes. I received an email from a society of, you know, of I think it's the family of these two famous scientists. Yes who made this invention 99 years ago. Yes. And they are congratulating us to doing our study on oh. the heritage that their uh, oh. ancestors left behind. So, so, so are these names of those it. people? Yeah, oh. this is a Mr. Calmet and a Mr. Guerin, oh. who uh, to now come back to the point, you know, they created 99 years ago oh. from uh, a bacterial culture that causes disease in cattle, you know, cattle tuberculosis. Yes. Yes. They converted that into a harmless bacterium mm-hmm. that cannot make a disease, but it can change the immune system to watch out for TB in humans. Okay, this and is this is this is absolutely wonderful news. Ninety-nine years ago, a legacy that a family can leave behind. I mean, just look at that. So I'll try it. Let me try it. Let me try it and see if I can. You can help me. Bacillus camelet camet Calmet Calmet Gurren. Okay, I give up. I'll leave it to you, Prof. Uh, okay. Just type BCG, you know, I'm sure you have the four screens in front of you, one of them with All right. BCG. No, so it's a lovely story. Bravo, it's, Charlie, uh, golf. It's, it's a lovely story. So, so obviously the family is really appreciating the fact that now you've gone back and reassessed what this can do to help us with COVID-19. Yeah, and uh, you know that the story is uh, really interesting because, I mean, this vaccine has not been, you know, purpose designed for TB. It's basically been designed to somehow wake up the immune system. And oh. over these almost a hundred years, there were so many observations made that being vaccinated with that somehow is beneficial for people. It, it lowers child mortality mm-hmm. more than you would expect just by combating TB. 
There was recently a study where it was shown that 40 years after being vaccinated, smokers had fewer lung cancer cases. There has been something shown that it helps with diabetes Mm. uh, type 1. It has been used to treat bladder cancer. And the one common thing across all that is that nobody really quite understands why this works. So, in in essence, we are not looking here to cure anything. We are looking here for something that will, as you said, with other um, other diseases, that will assist the immune system for us to cope with COVID nineteen. That's a very good summary. We we call it it trains the immune system to look at this COVID thing in some different way and hopefully make us much less sick mm. when we are yes. infected. So this is not, yeah. it will not make it go away. Yeah. Well, I can, I, I'm obviously hopeful. So mm. we are testing this, right? We yes. don't know. But yeah. it, it's a reasonable speculation that what has been shown with other such viral respiratory tract infections might also happen with COVID-19. So, But you know, unless it's shown, we yeah. can't really recommend to vaccinate people with that uh, BCG. And one must also be careful not to take it away from the babies. Yes. You know, obviously there is just enough stock yes, to vaccinate it. the babies. And if we all adults start taking this, just because we believe it might help something, mm-hmm. then there's no more stock for the babies where it's actually shown that it, it helps. Be- because we now understand its functionality, uh, Prof, just help me out. Wh- where is the window of opportunity, even when you select the people that you're testing it with? Is it before we actually contact the virus or are you testing it with people who already have the virus and observing whether their immune system can cope with the virus? Where, where, where is that window of opportunity when you use this? Um, this is another good question. So obviously it's not a treatment. Yes. So we would not give it to people that are already sick. Mm-hmm. But we are giving it to healthcare workers that are working at the busy hospital where one would expect such cases uh, you know to be treated so they are probably at relatively high risk in the next weeks or months or years to contract that disease then how do we then check its efficacy yep so we we are we are this thing is called double blind randomized yeah okay? this is this high flying um, expression that says that nobody knows anything. Yeah. So neither the participants yeah. nor us yeah. know if they are vaccinated with a placebo shot or with the real vaccine. Uh-huh. And afterwards, we will observe them closely, perhaps weekly, perhaps monthly. We will give them calls and we want to figure out how they're doing. And only somebody that's sitting in Europe that's yeah. far away from here yeah. will have to code which person actually had which vaccination. And that person will be in contact with a committee of experts, some from here, from Cape Town, and some from overseas, that will observe if there is actually a protection visible by BCG. And if there is, they will contact us Mm. and they will instruct us to stop the study and recommend that everybody or at least every healthcare worker should be vaccinated. I I get who the target market is, but I'm also wondering if alongside the healthcare workers, we're also before that assessing 
this person's immunity. In other words, if you already have a, a compromised immune system, mm -hmm. is that somebody that you would also try this on? Um, so this vaccine is something you can you can buy on the market, and it has a it has a package insert. So okay. it's a registered vaccine, and it is not allowed to be used on people that are HIV positive. Oh. And generally, it is not allowed to use it on anyone that has an unstable disease. Oh. So, but if you look at at healthcare workers, you know that go to work every day, they might have stable diabetes or stable hypertension they might have this or that chronic condition but it's usually not incapacitating and the story with HIV is is a little bit such that one actually never has really tested if the vaccine is safe in people that have HIV and are stabilized on the treatments we would nowadays actually expect that that's that is probably safe but this is the next step. So if we can see that BCG predicts the people we can use it in now, we will then probably do a next uh, step in this exploration and, and see if one can safely use it in HIV positive individuals as well. Prof, there are just a few more questions that other people want to also ask you, if you don't mind. Could we just uh, pause for a minute, take the headlines, yep. and then we'll be back with more on this very fascinating conversation around a vaccine that has been tested here in South Africa uh, to try and see our bit, what we can do to help with COVID-19. Just gone one thirty. Let's go to Amanda Machaka. So sorry, uh, we're late, Amanda. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.2 FM in East London. All right. Thank you so much for staying with us. And um, do call in if you want to ask any question, 0891-104-207. And uh, you can also send your WhatsApp notes. And uh, I see Leslie McDonald, you're very unhappy with me saying that I keep interrupting the professor. I, that's, that's not actually my intention. What I'm hoping to do, Leslie, is to follow the logic. And I'm hoping that if I miss anything i represent those who may have also missed it that's why i sometimes just make sure that i've got the point across properly that's the only reason but i do apologize if that has irritated you uh, somewhat prof uh, you've just spoken to us about and my conversation by the way is of uh, professor andreas adiakon who is a professor of physiology at um, and the principal investigator at the department of internal medicine faculty of health sciences stellenbosch university and also a task uh, founder of task applied sciences prof you you said before we went to the headlines that there is a it, it, within the confines of what you can use this vaccine for, there are people who are excluded, and it is quite clear those, for instance, with HIV and AIDS, those kinds of people, which which is quite fascinating to me because if the purpose of the vaccine is to boost the immunity, why then is there, um, I suppose, a reluctance to use it for people who would benefit from a vaccine that would boost the immunity for whatever it is that they have? So for this vaccine, you know, that funny name BCG, it stands for this bacterial strain. Yes. And this, this bacteria is actually still alive. Uh -huh. They're just harmless, but they are alive. 
So if you inject them into a person with a weak immune system, the bacteria might actually make that person sick. And you might then not have a benefit from the vaccination, but actually, uh, you know, a harm. So this has been shown in really badly immunocompromised people. and, And I believe that if one was to formally test it in in people stabilized on antiretroviral drugs, I'm quite sure that probably is safe, but this would first have to be shown. Okay. I mean, we we love the fact that there is going to be an independent uh, group of people sitting very far away who don't even know our names who are going to assess this. How long will this process sort of take place for, for us to get some sort of feedback? Yeah, this is a bit difficult to predict because we we would need to have a critical number of observations that fall into these two groups of people that received the real vaccine and those that did not and there would have to be a certain difference shown so let's assume this epidemic uh, accelerates a lot and we have many many events that we can score and send overseas for analysis and the difference is really large then we would perhaps see a result in, say, six months. But I have to guess here. I really have to speculate. Mm. And um, the other thing I have, at least in my mind, is if we observe people for a year and we see no difference, you know, then we probably could call it today mm. it, because the protection just isn't worth detecting. And the last factor is that we should we would be quicker if we had more participants on the study i mean that's very obvious i mean the more observations you have the quicker you have a, a result and currently we have 500 uh, planned which is at the very lower end of where we hope to be and we are hoping that we will acquire some some funding some grants from okay. from sources that we have written to that we can increase that sample to 2000 or 3000 and that would allow to see uh, a signal earlier. So, so that sort of 3,000, it's that critical number you were talking about that may assist us with getting enough data? I, I would think so, but I, the one thing I can't predict is the speed of the epidemic. Yeah. Um, if, if, if we control it very well and there's very few cases, then it's also going to be very difficult to show the protection. Prof, thank you so much for your insights and all the best with all that you're doing right now. Thank you very much for talking to us. This is uh, Professor Andreas Diakon, who is a, a professor of physiology and a principal investigator at the Department of Internal Medicine at the Faculty of Health Sciences at Stellenbosch University. Thank you very, very much for that.